Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears and Carla Lindate. How are you doing? Oh, hi, Chris. I'm doing well. You're so awesome. Oh, thanks. Um, we are talking this episode to Stephen Blythe from Starling Bank, which is one of the probably big free fintech challenger banks we've got here in the UK. Uh, the conversation just kind of started, so we're going to join it as we were talking about UX boot camps. Enjoy. <laughs> It's interesting because they've got the, they do these 10 to 12 week courses, right, in mm-hmm. which they are uh, basically just exposed to like design process and tools and stuff like that. Um, and um, like, I'm not sure, like, I, I, feel, I feel like it's, it's an interesting way to start. But having been through like much longer design programs myself, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about these sort of, you know, these small, these small kind of like very intensive programs. I think... Um, I think what I realized though is that it really is up to the individual. Like yeah. we, we have designers at Starling who don't have a design background, but just have become great designers because they just have it in them. Um, and uh, and I think if you have a combination of um, the right environment and you learn to write the ask, you learn to ask the right questions. Um, I think. Uh, you can, you know, it's, it's whether you do a three-month program or a two- or three-year program, it's, it's really up to the individual because uh, yeah. you can get vastly different results. I mean, I've seen people with uh, 10 years of experience and they're just, they're just not on par with some of the people that have had two years of experience. You know, it's just, and I think, again, it's like, to be fair, a lot, of, a lot has to do with the environment. I think environment plays an important role in how people evolve. Yeah. Um, so, like for example, we we're recruiting at the moment, um, and what we really want to do is find someone who will elevate the team. So, we want someone who will who will add a component that we just don't have, um, and it's actually really difficult. I mean, there's lots of great designers out there, um, but we're seeing a lot where the work that they've done is okay. Um, and that we're having to balance it out with, do we, do we think this person will be able to grow uh, within the company? And say, you know, it, can, we could have, can we sort of take them as a, almost like a, not necessarily a blank canvas and go, we, we can see potential in you. Why don't, you know, we see that over the last five years, the work hasn't been that interesting or that compelling, but maybe it's just, you've been unlucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of great designers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great designers stuck in very, very mediocre design um, setups, so to speak. And, and, and yeah. unfortunately, the work doesn't reflect the true, their true capability. So it's I think like, if you're in that kind of environment for too long as well, it kind of just sucks the life out of you a little bit. Like, yeah. you just stop asking those questions because you know you're just going to get beat down. And Yeah. I think also... Um, when it comes to um, like, I think as it is like, I think one of your questions was around about the product, product, digital product designer versus UX yeah. UI roles. Um, I think like, um, I think it's really interesting. I quite, I, I'm, I identify as a UX designer mainly because I went through, um, you know, sort of sort of a classic UX design. Um, sort of phase where I very much identified as, as a UX designer yeah. and I do UX and I do wireframing and I'm, I'm all about like a little bit of 
um, understanding how the systems work, uh, and you know, and then figuring out like sort of the soft layer on top, which is kind of the user experience, and then trying to marry the two and, and come up with something kind of quite compelling. Um, I kind of prefer the product designer title mainly as it sounds like you're. It sounds like what you're making at the end of it is a bit more tangible in a way. It's like you're crafting something. It's a product. Um, but having said that, I actually like. I actually just think of it all as design, you know. I don't really, I don't really like to think of myself as one or the other, um, but just as you know, just as a designer. Um, but I also think, like, though, that maybe some of the, maybe the some of the changes in terms of the what people expect from designers or their titles, kind of boils down to the fact that. The nature of what needs to be done is slightly different in terms of the toolset that they also use. Um, so, uh, like, let me think. Maybe try thinking of an example. I mean, for example, like you can get pretty decent visual design components, um, and you can be you can actually create a pretty decent componenty design that with you know with with minimal sort of with with a bit of personality that doesn't offend you that looks good looks professional looks polished and you don't actually need to be a super good visual designer mm-hmm. whereas in the past you kind of needed to be able to be a re- pretty good visual designer and and uh, that's not to say that that role doesn't exist i think there are absolutely important like roles for um for visual you know for very very good visual designers and and probably maybe it's become a bit more niche to a certain degree i don't know actually um i think it's just in my opinion is more having a stage of the basically looking at the stage of where the product is so mm. if it's initial stages of a product in my opinion if you have a more a stronger visual designer mm. um, to kind of set that design language and that design system and you know mm. to incorporate the brand elements into the design I think it makes a lot of sense so once you're going through you know what I would say like more like you know after you do your MVP and you keep adding features mm. into it and you've got a design language yes you can expand that language but you can also mm. You know, you don't necessarily need that mm. skill set in mm-hmm. there. I don't know. That's. Mm. I mean, what I'm, what I, what I like, what I was hoping for us to do with Starling, and I, and it's we're constantly pushing it. Um, it doesn't always get the attention that it deserves, but um, so for example, if we let's just we're still talking about visual designer, but a visual designer would imbue some kind of personality. They'd imbue the the, uh, the brand. They get the brand. You know. Uh, the brand experience essentially part of the brand experience would be kind of expressed through the visual design um like great like wouldn't it be cool if the products we designed weren't simply just didn't simply just look good and worked efficiently but actually there was sort of a branded interaction like so for example in the early days in Starling, when we first started, I was really interested in branded interactions. So how can we, it's not just about, again, getting a user through a, a process or a flow relatively, like, like super efficiently. Yes, it is. But it's, it's also about like, how do you, how do you design it that it's, 
it kind of it, it invokes a bit of delight you know so uh, so for example with the payment system that we've that we created um, again we had a, when we first launched the app it was very 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 bare bones we simply had a bunch of screens that kind of looked like a PowerPoint presentation which you just tapped through it wasn't you know but it was an iPhone app and then you know you, you you put the number in you press next you got like a you got like a sheet which said this is this is how much you're going to pay and this is who you're going to pay it to next and then you got a confirmation screen so it was all kind of just slidey slidey like and we were, I was really like I was sitting down with one of my previous designers and we were like kind of scratching our heads and we were just looking at other apps and we got inspired by the Apple chat app in which you type in a word and then you press go essentially and it turns into a little blue pill or a bubble and then moves into the space and rather unashamedly we kind of like riffed off that and thinking along the lines of like how do you design something that a is delightful and b reinforces what has actually just happened in this case you know i've typed in a few numbers pressed pay the pay the pay button has then like essentially swallowed up the moved animated and swallowed up the number moved across from my side of the screen into the payee side of the screen. So it was like, and then we did that with uh, goals. And so, so, then, so then what we did is we had this kind of interesting design pattern uh, and interaction, and we, we could call it a branded interaction, and we kind of owned it. We kind of set ourselves apart from the other competitors. Um, and... It's, you know, it's especially interesting when you're doing this because right in the beginning, we didn't really have a brand either. So, you know, we had, we had, you know, it was pretty sparse. So it's like, what do you do when you have nothing? Well, let's just create something that, you know, uh, kind of gets into the user's skin. Well, at least that's what we're trying to do. So, so I think that's one of the interesting things about the, the whole kind of now having almost a component library or whatever you can make a reasonable assertion that usability-wise it's going to be at least okay so you can focus it maybe on more of those, that like second layer of interaction a little bit more? Yeah, exactly. So I guess the challenge is, is like, is it the 80-20 rule? Do you go 80%? Like you got you got to be tactful or tactically choose what gets your attention, right? So what what part of the interaction should just be component-y and... Um, for me, yeah. Uh, and what do we want to put a little bit of effort in? So you know, for example, maybe in this in the settings, um, for example, uh, or uh, you know, setting uh, additional accounts up or supplementary accounts up, we can pre be pretty basic. But then we put like extra effort into, um, for example, the the switcher menu. So. Um, you know, for example, we could have done something super basic, um, but we kind of wanted to invoke the idea that you're kind of moving above. So we got, uh, you on an iPhone? Uh, no, Android. Oh, that's a pity, because actually the iPhone one is a bit more sophisticated, and actually we, we're going to be launching the, uh, the new switcher for Android, which is going to be very similar to the new Gmail switcher. I don't know if you've seen the new Gmail switcher. Yeah, it's actually pretty awesome. Um, so... So the Android switcher is a very component-based switcher that uh, that we just 
used, mainly tactically used, and we've, we're going to change it. The iPhone switches, something is completely bespoke, which we are going to then uh, do for Android. Um, but so, for example, the iPhone switcher, we have this notion that, for example, you're in your account, um, you're either on the Pulse screen or you're in one of your other top level screens like Card or Goals. Um, at all the top level screens, you have your account icon. You then attack, then you can tap on the account icon and the screen blurs and it's, it's almost like you're going up 50, you know, 50 kilometers essentially. That's, that's the notion. The, uh, and, and the focus changes in the background and, and you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like you're jumping up and you're seeing all your accounts um, in one view. You can see all your, you know, you can see all your balances. You know, you might have your Euro account, your joint account, your, um, your other, your normal uh, pound, a current account, yep. a business account, and then you can just, and then you just tap. And as you tap, um, the, uh, the banner essentially that of the account that you've just selected um, reacts and then slides back into, to, to be the active account and then the whole screen changes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's kind of cool. The payment screen is pretty cool. Um, the card, you know, the card screen is kind of interesting. Also, we wanted to again do something graphical, like, um, and we haven't done it everywhere, but really, like, where we can, um, we we want to push for the primary, for the, sort of the top level screens to have a, a kind of a a strong and striking visual um, focus. So, so how do you get the buy-in for that sort of stuff? Because you're a startup, obviously, with investors to please and so on, and presumably they want you to kind of push stuff out. So how do you, I guess, raise the value of those of adding those kind of things and spending mm. time on them? Well, it's, I mean, there's no reason why you can't do all this stuff um, and and it not necessarily affected to such a great, you know, for example, if, if you design, I think you really just need the vision. So it's not all occasions where you come up with something different that, yeah. that oh, it's going to add an extra 50% of development time on this. Um, I think if you, I think if you, if you can make a decent case for it, that A, it you know, for example, if you start if you start building out a design pattern, and say, hey, this is this is kind of this is kind of what we own in terms of a branded experience or branded interaction. Um, we kind of own this, uh, even even if it wasn't a necessarily by design immediately. It's like we've we've now started to curate a bunch of experiences that we should probably just leverage. Um, so. Uh, the I, mean, I guess the idea is like, you know, try be smart, try be clear about what it exactly is you're trying to achieve. Um, we do prototypes, for example, we use prototype to to demonstrate the stuff. Usually, it's like pretty easy because if it's a, if it's if it makes sense, if the design makes sense and the and the interaction makes sense, and it's not just gratuitous gratuitous animation. It's really hard to argue against it because ultimately everybody wants to do something a little bit or a lot better than what is going out there. I mean, this is why we kind of all work at a challenger bank because we kind of want to. We can't, and and also we, you know, it's it's something we all spend our time. You know, it's 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 we're going to spend like a decent proportion of our working lives 
um, why not why not have a vision for doing something wonderful or great? Um, it's not to say we uh, we always um, hit the nail on the head with this stuff, but again, it's like the, the experience that we have is like let's let's choose let's artfully choose the experiences that we want to stand out and focus on that. Using data to inform um, design, um, like interesting design interactions, we don't use data. I mean, we use essentially as designers, we have a we have a sense of what we want to do, and we want to like create a vision, and we have you know we want to kind of execute on a vision and an idea, and because you know yes, I mean this this product is a, it's a product, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a utility. It allows people to do. A bunch of things with their money, but also at the same time, it's not only just a piece of software, but it's actually, it's kind of like, it's kind of art, mm -hmm. you know, and or, or at least that's that's what we're trying to do, you know. It's like, you know, yes, it's software, it has buttons, it's but I mean, when you when you're designing something that has, um, that has like, in which people put. You know, people have a bizarre, and understandably bizarre and difficult relationship with their bank. You know, it's like all the time, like traditionally so. Um, they're probably always angry with their bank for some reason, because they probably don't. You know, they're probably, and it's probably not always the bank's fault. You know, they probably just have this difficult relationship because they have a difficult relationship with money, and then they associate their difficult or their their, their negative feelings that they have about money with the, with the bank that holds their money, um, but uh, you know the thing is, it's like when you see when you see where where stuff is going, like you don't look towards the banks to see where the good design or how you should design is coming from. You look at you know you look at the future of the way Apple might integrate payments into the chat app, for example, um, or, or the way Facebook might do that. And you see, well, okay, so money is it's personal, but it's kind of, to a certain degree, it's social, especially when it comes to micropayments. So when I'm dealing with my friends and, I, um, and I'm dealing with them in a, and when I do that, I'm usually on WhatsApp or I'm on a chat messenger app. Yeah. Um, what is that experience like? I think what I'm saying is like the design, the design inspiration, or the places that we're looking at are more like you know the, the top um, app, the top app services out there. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Maybe it's Airbnb, maybe it's you know WhatsApp, maybe it's the you know Apple's chat applications with all, with all those widgets that you could add in. At the mm -hmm. bottom of the screen, yeah. like that's the stuff that we need to be focused on um, to create sticky 
like a sticky product, right? But not too sticky that it's that we manipulate users, like Facebook does. But uh, sticky in as much as we create like a brand loyalty. So we create stickiness through branded interactions that make sense, that aren't gratuitous, but actually reinforce what is actually going on. So um, how much is your focus on, I suppose, the users that would kind of be interested in that kind of cutting edge, you know, technological driven stuff? Obviously, you're an app-based bank, but there's a whole massive population of people that, you know, just aren't there yet mm. in terms of digital savviness or whatever. So a good how much are you kind of focusing on their expectations, I suppose? Because stuff like WhatsApp integration maybe is just way at the bottom of their mm. priority list because they haven't even heard of WhatsApp potentially. Yeah, I mean, so, so ultimately we, again, like, the way I described it, it made it sound like we're doing crazy stuff. I mean, but, but, but not really. I mean, what we're doing is, is just a lot of common sense stuff, but we just decided to like express, express stuff in a way that is uh, maybe a little bit more, like, on one hand, poetic and artful, and the other hand, like, just reinforces behavior. So, you know, it's it, instead of, for example, um, a screen that goes, let me go back to the payment screen again. So for example, you want to pay someone, instead of the payment screen being two stages, what we do is we, we, what we've done is integrate the whole two stages into one stage essentially, and, yeah. you, and you don't need the screen. So it's like, it's, um, it's, it's not, it's, it's simply like, and also it's like, I think, I think what it comes down to is kind of like first principles type stuff. What, like, you break down what you're trying to achieve into kind of its core constituent components. And if you can execute that in a way that is, that, that essentially um, answers those questions, all those problems, um, then you've succeeded. What a lot of places do or have done before and what a lot of banks done before, and that's why they haven't it took challenger banks to try and come to come in and essentially stop pushing people around was that they weren't thinking about design process in terms of like um you know in terms of um you know those kind of principles so that they would think of everything in terms of like well well that bank did it or this is how it's done or that's how they do it so we're just going to do it and how do you even progress without you know so they had like zero zero sort of um, like desire, or, or even they probably didn't have, probably even didn't know that they didn't have any desire. Mm -hmm. They just didn't have a vision, and they probably didn't even know they didn't even have a, a vision. And, pro and probably because the vision only extended extended to like the immediate horizon. Um, so, so really, like I think again, circling back to like the core of your question is like, we you know our stuff is pretty. For the most part, it's like it shouldn't, it shouldn't like it shouldn't be confusing. Yeah, it's just different, and and it's different because we decided to do things slightly different. But we also roughing off stuff that's kind of happening, but just not in banks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think that's cool. Um, <clears throat> Do you guys introduce like user testing, I guess, to make sure that you know what you just said yeah. like, is not. It should be difficult. It should be different. But if that is so, different, do you so need to so have? the controversial thing is that uh, we don't we don't use a test 
with external people mm -hmm. um, at the moment. We have in the past. What we find is that, um, again, when you distill things down into like the core principles of what we're trying to achieve, yeah. and if you exercise common sense, now this is like, I hope this doesn't come across as arrogant, then you can actually achieve quite a lot. And then what we do is, I mean, we're, we're all users, right? And of course, we're, we might be advanced users, but we're always trying to like take ourselves outside of, um, you know, outside of ourselves in terms of trying to evaluate what we're doing. Um, so then we do rollouts, right? And so we roll out the basic product and then we monitor and we monitor through the analytics and we monitor through customer service and stuff like that. And some things, for example, might not work, but it's never really, it's never really a disaster. It's more like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe we're, we're starting, maybe the, the visual design of the um, the settle up button, for example, is is not prominent enough, and then we actually start to think maybe, well, for example, it's starting to look like that we've kind of hit the the limit of the design of our whole payments hub because you know you design something and you start to fill it with things, and then at a certain point it starts to break, and you really kind of can't always design to this for this thing to scale continuously like. Um, to you know, to infinity. So then you kind of go. Actually, well, people are stuck. Or like our, our feature, our settle up feature might not uh, might not be as uh, as popular as we want it to be. You know, a it, it might be the visual design of the button. B it might be the placement of it. C it might be again the architecture of this whole of the whole payments hub with all its various features clustered around it. Uh, or it might also just be that and uh, the fact that the settle up button is is for a feature and a service that people aren't yet entirely comfortable with, for example. So it's like, I mean, what we find more useful in terms of getting feedback is actually just talking to people and seeing how they, how they, uh, like how they use their money, um, you know, talk to them about their financial lives. Um, so when you say talk to people, presumably that is right. Yeah, not usability testing. Sort of right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. And I would say that if you test with people within this building, I'd say that that kind of matches your target audience as well, isn't it? Because even though, as you said, you can't really design for yeah. you're not necessarily designing for the the people who are not. You know, right. Sappy, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I guess it works. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting thing when we spoke to Monzo before that they're actually reaching a point now where they're realizing, okay, we do actually need to start thinking about the people that don't live their life in an app. So you know, thinking about those services like paying in cash at post offices and you know right. those those other layers of stuff. So yeah. I think potentially there is a point where. You know, you you do have to think a bit wider potentially and start yeah. start exploring with those other user types. Absolutely. I mean, I think like I think we're we're kind of got we're getting to the point now where we sort of we've run as we've probably been running as far as we can mm -hmm. without and gotten away uh, pretty well without doing these things. But um, you know, because we've kind of been operating in like a super slim down mode, mm -hmm. um, and now as the company grows and we're actually looking to hire probably two new um, designers we're probably going to just need to 
uh, get a bit more, you know, and as the product becomes more complex and XYZ, we're going to just start, it, it probably be uh, on balance better if we start doing this. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's kind of like we're operating um, like kind of uh, right at the edge. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of in terms of what we can get away with but I, I think like I really think we've done a pretty good job of it so far yeah, I mean it's, and I think like I mean if I look back like from where we started it was we, we launched I mean we were like you know we we're, were obviously fans of our of our competitors you know we're fans of Revolut I'm a fan of Revolut I'm a fan of Monza um, we, we've kept a close close eye on them because you know they're great companies um and uh, it's also interesting to see how their apps evolved while ours has evolved. I mean, I think for a while, like right in the beginning, we were really at the back in terms of the in terms of the overall UX experience, overall um, the overall experience. Um, and now I can confidently say that, like, uh, I think our like if we, for example, if we compare us, compare ourselves to Monzo. Like I think our app architecture is be better. Like I think things are for the m more in the right place, and we managed to and sort of the, the way we've laid out um, uh, the various parts of the banking app in the app. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of grown a bit bit better, um, but that's fine. I mean, they're 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 good guys, and they'll like they'll do a good job. They're always doing a good job. It's just that I think the the admin probably needs a, a rejig now. So um, I think one of the areas potentially where you have kind of moved ahead of the pack a little bit is in terms of business accounts and mm. offering those. So I'm quite curious to see like what differences you've seen in terms of what business customers want versus current account customers. Is it just the same sort of experience or are there a difference that needs? I mean, it's still, it's still, I'm not so, so, so currently the business, the business bank account is pretty much a business. It's, it's kind of the same account, but it's a business account. Yeah. Um, there are other differentiators in terms of um, the marketplace. There are a few more marketplace providers that are only available in, in business. I think, um, I think I'll like so the business account product is is kind of like more suited at the moment for like a contractor type person. So so it's it's a single director um, type business account. Um, you know you can integrate with for like we'll be integrating with um, um, zero or we have. Um, so there's you know so for example all those basic kind of like contractor type things like invoicing. Yeah business that makes sense for retail not so much um, uh, multiple cards for a business account um, in the future when there are a multiple multi, multi directors that you can add to one business account that makes sense multiple cards for a current account probably not so much for the for the business account if you're a contractor maybe you don't need that many payees in your payments hub so maybe we you know maybe we need to redesign the payments hub so it's kind of a, it's kind of most important parts are more prominent and um, whereas you know for example uh, you know you probably don't you probably only just pay yourself and maybe you have a few scheduled payments to your mobile phone uh, and whatever other thing you might have connected to your you know pay in terms of your, from your business account uh, but you probably don't pay your friends 
you probably don't pay your you probably don't pay your rent from it unless you actually have offices um, you know so so I would imagine that if you know if we could we would if we could we'd evaluate potentially having a slightly different payments hub mm -hmm. um, but then it's just like what is the right thing to do is it, is it the right thing to do that if you are a starling customer and you have a current account and you have a business account and you change you change the payee environment or the payments hub environment slightly. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Cool. Um, probably should have covered it at the start, actually, but could you give us a bit of background about you? Like, what's your story? How did you arrive at um, So I, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I've been designing since the dark ages. Uh, I, started, uh, I started my career in 1998 uh, in South Africa. Um, and uh, classically trained as a graphic designer, um, worked as a designer in advertising agencies, um, won a few awards, um, you know, around the world, and then decided on a visit to New York, decided uh, and seeing my friend at uh, Interactive tele Telecommunications Program at NYU, how awesome that would be, and wanted to go there, but didn't end up going there. Um, going to an institute called the Interaction Design Institute in Ivrea in Italy, which was around for five years and was kind of like one of the most interesting and marvelous places, um, mainly because we had like visiting lecturers from MIT. We had, uh, we had a former um, RCA uh, director of RCA, Gillian Crampton-Smith, who, who led it up. Um, and so it was like for two years, you know, I was learning about interaction design didn't really know what it was I just thought it was it was going to be um, a lot of fun um, and, and you know it was designy and it was all about technology and it was all about stuff like that just seemed like not just about making things pretty um, and and then did some contracting uh, at, at, a, at a few banks and uh, came here about three years ago uh, when there really was only about 15 people in the office and uh, I, I came in and I did, had an interview and I showed them some crazy idea about what I thought a banking app should be. And, uh, and I've been here ever since. Um, and it's kind of interesting to be, uh, be part of a journey building something from the ground up. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, and I, and I, I I, like I just um, it's, it's an amazing experience and I, I you kind of like I wish more people would have that entire have that experience um, because as designers because yeah. um, it's it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience but um, you didn't work for banks in the past and then I worked for a bank for a while and then it is I mean they're investing a lot and mm. I think they, they're trying to simplify yeah. any complex stuff that they currently have yeah trying to compete well I mean the interesting things about the legacy banks is that because I, I worked at one also and I actually quite like my experience there um, and they're full of really smart people um, the problem that I found with big banks is that they're not greater than the sum of their parts whereas in the challenger banks everyone is kind of producing more than, than the sum of their parts um, and I think it's just the nature and it's the culture and you can just get things done and you, you, you take a little you take more you can take more risk um, and you don't you don't get kind of like drowned out in, in sort of the, the bureaucracy and of of large uh, banking corporation which 
which probably are struggle, you know, have 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 to struggle with layers of legacy culture and thinking. I mean, that and the fact that their technology is essentially built on layers and layers and layers of, of like um, multi-year kind of like refactoring and stuff like yeah, that. Which yeah, absolutely. So it's um, it's a uh, yeah. So it's um, it's fascinating, but. I mean, that's, that's not to say that the legacy banks aren't going to challenge us. I mean, if when your pockets are that deep, you can, you can probably just like, um, you know, you could survive just through like attrition, basically. Um, and they're smart, you know, and, and, and maybe they just need to change things around a little bit and think differently. But it's, um, I mean, they're great, essentially. Is there any particular app experience that you like from the big banks? Um, so this, this, this is funny because I, I seem to be the only one, like when I talk, you know, I seem to be the only one around me at the moment who got, who, who ever got excited about pay M. Um, and, 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 and I never understood why, and I never really understood why pay M, uh, why no one else was using pay M. So for our non UK listeners, pay M is the like text based way of paying someone, right? So Payem was like it's it's the Payem consortium in which a bunch of banks got together, sort of consortium. And um, if you had, if I wanted to pay you, and I had your phone number, or yeah. I could I could just I could put it in my bank, and I could go to my bank banking app. Um, if I had you in my address book, or if I didn't, I would then just add your number. It would then do a check to see if you had signed up to the Payem, and it was simply when you sign when you wanted to sign up to pay by pay people via pay M in your banking app, you simply just had to accept the terms and conditions. So then, right. and then, and then there you were, you were, you were on it and you were in the system and, and they could read and, you know, you agreed that the other bank could then like search for you on your phone number. Um, and then, you know, you didn't have to like bother with IBANs and uh, account numbers and stuff like that. And it's like, I always wondered why didn't it ever just take off? And I, and I kind of think like, it didn't take off because it there wasn't really anything in it for the banks, right? I mean, they weren't better. They weren't making more money for, you know, like they weren't making any more money or uh, then, you know, if because of this feature. Um, so people still, you know, and, and ultimately um, all those, I don't know how many banks are in the PayM consortium, like, they were still kind of oldie banks. Mm-hmm. They still needed a sort code and account number. Ultimately, there was there was no there was nothing in a business model that for them that said we should do this and we should push it. So it was never pushed as like a kind of a core feature. It was kind of almost like a like a like a broom cupboard feature, which yeah. when you discovered, you kind of I got excited about and then trying to like hoodwink my friends into accepting that whenever I needed to pay them five pounds or something like, you know, it it just seemed like a no brainer. But it's like. It's an example of how good things, if there's no business model, if it, if it, how good things kind of die. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, do you want to ask your favorite final question? Yeah, my favorite final question. So I always ask um, designers we interview whether they can recommend a book, uh, someone to follow, a blog post, a website, something that you think would either inspire them um, or teach them something new. So. Is there anything that comes up to your mind? The finger is wagging. All of these things, it could be just one thing. 
Um, I'm going to, so I listened to a, a podcast um, the other day. Do you guys listen to Recode Decode with Kara Swisher? No. Um, so, okay, Base, Basecamp CEO, Jason Fried. Right. Um, so he wrote a book, um, uh, I think it's titled like, Work Doesn't Have to Be This Way, um, or something like that. Um, and, and so he's, a, he's like a, a co-founder of Basecamp. And he's like, um, and it's an interesting podcast. Um, it's, it's basically just talks about how workplace culture is kind of broken and that, um, and that it's kind of like unhealthy. And uh, like, um, for example, you know, you, you, know you, you, you don't have to, you shouldn't, you really shouldn't be in a state where you have back-to-back -back meetings and that you have like a calendar full of like, like blocks of things taken out, mm -hmm. taken chunks out of your day. But like more importantly, which really resonated with me was like this notion of like how people or how Slack has kind of, uh, my interpretation, how Slack has kind of ruined um, kind of your workflow to a certain degree. So, and how Slack is rather abused by people in, in a way. So for example, like that thing that you're gonna, that thing you wanna ask me, does it require in my immediate attention? Like, yeah. like if not, send me an email. Like send me an email if you wanna ask me a question. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's cool because it means that I schedule time to look at my email. Uh, you know, and I'm in email mode and I'm responding and you, you know, you're right. You can, you can probably say, well, yeah, you can actually do it on Slack and, and you can probably, well, people don't, people don't yeah, ignore. It's not clear so, what the expectations yeah. So, is. so, so I've actually just started, um, I've started kind of like emailing more and slacking less, um, yeah. because I just think it's like healthier and, uh, um, which is interesting right because it's one of the oldest kind of ways of electronically communicating and yeah it seems to be the only one that ever lasts for periods of time mm. for a long yeah, period and of time. talking to people it's getting harder and harder with time uh, let me just find this book for you um, it's called it doesn't have to be crazy at work by Jason Fried and David Heinemeyer Hansen uh, and his other book is called Rework, Change the Way You Work Forever, which I just got today, secondhand from Amazon. I like to buy secondhand books. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I guess I'm interested in, in like uh, workflow, uh, like trying to be zen at work, because I think if you're zen, you're just a better person and you're probably doing better work. Uh, as opposed to frantically juggling stuff and grinding through things and feeling frazzled at the end of the day, I don't think yeah. I don't think work has to be like uh, exhausting at all. I think it could be you know exhilarating. So why not? Why can't we make it like? And I think it's really up to us to learn how to manage our time, react to things, and learn to say no to things. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're in a Zen state. You, 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 the questions you ask, uh, the thoughts you think, they're all going to be a bit more productive, a bit mm -hmm. more useful.
Cool. I think that's a pretty good note to end on. So thanks very much for... Thank you very much and welcome. Thank you. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favourite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at designuntangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.